The reading is from 1 John 5, verse 13, page 1023 in the Church Bibles. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Please keep your Bibles open. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Let me add my welcome. I'm Rob. Uh, Kenny just told you that, but um, it's good to see you all here. Um, And and good to see people back from some breaks and people going off to different holidays and stuff. Um, Trust that you have a good time away and rest. um, And we look forward to seeing you when you get back. Um, I think the Normans have opened the bidding with Worcestershire. They can recommend it wholeheartedly. Um, Nina's going to give you some cheese from Cheddar. Um, so let me know where you're going, because I'm interested in local produce, okay? <laughs> um, you've got your Bibles open in front of you, and, and K- Kenny has prayed for us, so um, we're going to make a start. And we're coming to the end of this letter of 1 John. And uh, what we've been seeing in 1 John is John's purpose for writing this letter is that you, if you're a Christian, may know that you have eternal life you would have confidence about that. That, He tells us that's his purpose in the verse that we read, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You might remember that the letter started all the way back in chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, with John telling us about this word of life, this this life. Uh, He said this, the word of life, the life was made manifest... And we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. And he's talking about Jesus. Then we saw uh, in the last verse of John's letter, he's not going to make it very um, easy for us to miss. Because in the second to last line of this letter, John is going to say that Jesus is the true God and the eternal life. So you want to know what life is, where to find life. Where to have eternal life? You have it in the Son. And that's why we had that verse last week that we're looking at. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And remember we were doing that comparison between what we thought gets a life kind of suggested we want we needed in terms of life and what Jesus' life was. Eternal life. 
so much more. And then, finally, that's the purpose statement in John, isn't it, in this letter, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And life comes from believing in Jesus, the Son of God. That's it. That's the way to eternal life. Those who believe in the Son have eternal life. Those who do not believe in the Son of God do not have eternal life. But there is a danger, isn't there, for us as Christians, or even if you're not a Christian, that the counterfeits, the other claims about who Jesus is, will be louder and they'll be quite enticing. So their their claim usually is that this is where the life is. Stuffy old church, boring. You know, you might fall asleep a little bit. That's not where the life is. Come to us. We're where the life is. We're where the party is happening. It's dynamic. You know, loads of change. Big things. You go there and you think, sorry, this is where the life is. And so that is why John has been painting a vivid contrast in this letter between those who, even though they look like they're life-giving things... If they have rejected the one who gives life, Jesus, and denied who he is, then they can only bring death. So don't listen, don't listen to them, even, even if they seem impressive. Don't listen to them on Jesus, because they don't know Jesus, and therefore they bring death. Their message brings death. It's a polar opposite. And he's been doing that in a number of ways. The main way he has been doing it is to show everything that can be said of true believers and he's been saying that hasn't he even in these verses that we've seen tonight we know that everyone who has been born of God we know that we are from God we know that we are in him who is in who is true so the main way John has been doing that is been saying this is what's true of believers and by the way it's not true of those who are outside of Christ so why would you listen to them because they don't have this and you do So that's what John's been doing. But he's also been taking... If the counterfeits look dynamic, they look like the ones with the change, where the real change happens. John's been showing us what real, true life looks like in the change of the the true believers, the change that it brings about. And that actually, if we looked at the last chapter, was love for other Christians, wasn't it? So you want to see what true life produces... Love for other Christians. That might not look exciting. It might not look that obvious at first. But it is true life. And the true life will all in Christ will always produce love for those who are born of him. So John has been giving us this picture of what true change, <laughs> what that true life brings about that true change. So that they'd be able to spot, hey, you know, that's definitely not and the change that we should be looking for. Okay, so let's get to this this passage here now. And John takes that verse, verse 13. He says, that you may know that you have eternal life. And then he says, and this is the confidence that we have before God. Forget that bit for a moment. This is the confidence that we have before God. So how is John going to apply having the eternal life? 
What's the application going to be? Okay, I have eternal life. Great. No. This is the confidence that you have before God that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. So the fact that you have been born of God, that you are a child of God, that we just sang, means that God hears you. And he will listen to what you ask of him. And if what you ask of him is according to what he has already said he will give, according to his plans and purposes, then he will give it. We talked about this just beforehand. Why would he not? (laughs) It's obvious, isn't it? Got his children asking for something which he wants to give. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to give it. But actually, we don't have to wait long in this chapter to see what the specific thing is, because that's quite general, isn't it? Whatever you ask. It doesn't get much more general than whatever you ask. But the specific, when you look at verse 16 to 17, is what? What's the specific request in verses 16 to 17? Okay, that's what will happen as a result of them asking, that God will give life. But the request is about the brother who is committing a sin, isn't it? If anyone sees his brother committing sin, he shall ask, yeah. And then the result is that God will give him life. So the way this works out is that the Christian gets to ask anything of God according to his will. But if you're there scratching your head thinking, what, what is God's will? which people do, don't they? They scratch their head and they talk about it. Well, God's will is to protect and to keep those that are his. That's, that's, not, that's not a mystery. He said that in John 17. It says, Jesus says, I have kept all those who belong to, who the Father has given me, and I pray that you would keep them, not take them out of the world, but that you would keep them Father as he's going off. So that's a promise that God has made. And then Jesus says, Hey, you can pray this prayer and God will answer it because it's according to his will. So you're praying for, it says it's a Christian, isn't it? Praying for a Christian who is committing a sin. And how's God going to answer that prayer? He's just going to, he's going to keep them. He's going to bring them back from that sin. So it is amazing, isn't it, that the confidence that we have to ask God for things translates really into us asking him about each other is love again isn't it for each other rather than being a oh hey god here's my list of things that i want for myself it's i'm concerned they're, they're committing a sin i'm not going to i mean my natural thing would be to get judgmental and say oh you know i feel quite good about myself because i wouldn't be doing that but that shouldn't be my final thought as a christian the humble thing to do is to say to God, I'm going to come to you because you're the one who gave them life and will keep them. You promised to do that. Please, would you do this? That's a humble prayer. And um, So, the com- this is a confidence we have before God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. 
if we think, and, and actually this means that it changes the situation, doesn't it? Because when you see someone sinning, like I described, the first thing is to speak self-righteous and for it to turn us into little Pharisees and hypocrites. But when we pray for that person, it changes the whole thing, doesn't it? What it does, actually, if you do this, is it will give you a bigger view of the gospel for yourself. Because as you pray confidently about them and the assurance they have, even in the midst of their sin, you will be reminded of the confidence that you can have. The same assurance. So you're actually ministering the gospel to yourself when you pray that prayer. You're saying God still loves them. He still died for them. They're still going to be with him for eternity. He will keep them. And that's true of you, isn't it? (laughs) So you are actually going to be filled with the gospel truth as you pray for those who you see sinning. So it turns us from being the cynic or the the critic and saying, no, they they got that wrong. To being those who are full full up with the grace of God, amazed at his grace towards them and amazed at his grace towards us. So then, let's look at the next bit in verses 18. That's page, that's page 1023. This is the confidence we have. Pray for the brother who is committing a sin. In, on page 1024, we have this, this final section. And you may notice that in verses 18, 19 and 20, John starts off, we know. He's saying what Christians should know. We know that these things. And he's talking about who Christians are. Everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who is born of God, Jesus, protects him and the evil one does not touch him. The second one, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So the contrast there is between those who are of God, belonging to him. It's not should, shouldn't really be from God, it should be of God, belonging to him. And the whole world is, is belonging to the evil one. So there's a big contrast there. And then in verse 20 he says that we know how this has come about. Jesus came and gave us understanding about the Father. So that we might know him who is true, who is true and be in him who is true. So if we take these three... John's saying that we know, firstly, the people of these, these are the people who were born of God. It will affect sin in their lives. They will have the power to say no to sin. But they've been born of God. And then the next thing is, we know we are of God. We belong to him. So no longer do we belong to the evil one. We belong to God. Belonging to God. The third thing is, we are in him. You can't be much safer than that, can you? Being in God. So it's real, it's real security, isn't it? We see that in verse 18. We see that Jesus, the one who has overcome evil, is now protecting them. Such that evil can't even get a foothold. And they're no longer under the power of the evil one, as the world is. But they belong to God. So, this is true of Christians. 
This is true of you, if you're a Christian. It's not true of those who are not Christians. The opposite is true. You see, we have to get the contrast. John is saying that those who do not have Jesus, well, verse 18, they will keep on sinning. They can't but keep on sinning because they have no power over it. They do not have the one who puts sin to death. They do not have the one who has power over the evil one. People who are outside of Jesus, in verse 19, well, they're under the power of the evil one. And if in verse 20, if they do not have Jesus, they will not have understanding of the Father. They don't know him. They don't know God. So this is a big encouragement for us as Christians. And there really is an important end to this letter. Do you want to see what it is? What's the very last command in this letter? Huh? You know, that's a bit of a bar out of the blue job. I mean, you know, you haven't really been talking much about idols. Have you heard him mention idols? Is that sort of a copy and paste error? You know, not better be there from another letter. You know, keep yourself in mind. If you think about it, if all the other Jesuses, if all the other versions of Jesus are leading to death, and if only the true Jesus, the one that was proclaimed to them, is the one that gives eternal life, and in him they have eternal life, And if they actually have all that in Jesus, why go elsewhere? Why why shop around? Why as a Christian would you want to be worshipping something that is not him? (laughs) Or even to have your heart start to be taken away from him to serve other things. That is a big thing as Christians, isn't it? You know, money. How much do you love money? Do you serve money? Do you serve comfort? Which is really loving yourself. Because the more we want comfort, the more we love ourselves. And the idols that can slowly lead us away from Jesus are really, really tempting, aren't they? And honestly, they they have more of an influence than we realise. So similar to what John is saying in um, chapter 2... Verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. But also don't listen to those who are saying something else about Jesus. Because you have heard the truth about Jesus. You believe the truth about Jesus. So why would you then start to listen to other people who are saying something different? Keep yourselves away from them. Give them. Get as far away from them as you can. I think it struck me with this sentence, keep yourself from idols, that actually, why do people listen to the young, charismatic church leader? Well, maybe it's because they want youth and vitality. That's what they really want. Why do people listen to the TV evangelist who's wealthy? 
Maybe it's because they want to be rich. So I think the idolatry thing here, even though it seems like a bit of a bolt out of the blue, idols, we haven't been talking about idols here, John. We've been talking about false teachers, maybe. But the reason we, we listen to the teaching is not because of the teaching. It's because of the person who's telling us. And we think, they've got that and I want that. I want to be rich, so I listen to the person who's rich. And so that's a real danger, isn't it? Um, if you're not a Christian, it's really important that you see that the world you're living in and that you yourself are under the power of the evil one. But that Jesus himself is the one that you need because he has power over Satan. He put Satan gave him his final defeat at the cross. He didn't just defeat him then, but he defeated him when he rose from the grave. Because if anything shows that he triumphed over evil and sin and death, is that he rose from the grave. And that's the victory that you need, because otherwise you are held in its grip. You won't be able to stop yourself from sinning. Try it. You won't. Only in Jesus will you find that protection. Uh, If you're a Christian, hear the warning here of... Not even just a warning, but an encouragement to to stay with Jesus. He's the one you need, isn't he? I mean, he's given... Why would you look anywhere else? The true Jesus, the one that has been proclaimed to you is the true and living God, the eternal life. Do you want anything else? No. No thanks. You can go on. Salesperson comes to you. No, thanks. Okay, you're promising me this, but I can see that actually it's probably not going to give me that because Jesus is my eternal life. Don't let your heart get dragged away. Worship him, serve him. He is all you need. Should we pray? Father, thank you that by believing in the Son of God, that we have eternal life. Thank you that you have, he has come and given understanding of who you are, that we might know you. And that truly is eternal life. We pray that you would, uh, from this, please uh, show us the amazingness of all we have, just that there is nothing that we need and there is nothing that can separate us from you or take us out of your hands. Thank you that, Jesus, you protect us from the evil one and the, the result of that is that we keep ourselves from idols. Those two go together. We pray that you would be doing that in our lives, that we would forever be enjoying you, And in this area of wanting to to pray when we see each other fall into sin, we pray that you would be softening our hearts to your grace and not uh, allowing us to become little hypocrites. We pray that we would drink in more of what you have done at the cross for us and the assurance that we have in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen.